Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwath, and a new chapter of Tip of the Iceberg was just started. I'm so excited for what's to come. I'm so excited for this episode, because who would have thought three episodes into the offseason, we're already talking about a player signing. Player signing. A player signing an awesome, fun new intro. Uh, that I totally forgot that uh, we would have a new intro, and then that sound kicked, and uh, I got happy because that was that was cool. It was smooth. You were ready for it, yet you weren't necessarily ready for it. And that new video intro is for everybody watching on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. So check us out there if you want to listen to that new cool video intro that Horowat was just mentioning. But we did discuss briefly there. We threw in there. The fact that the Penguins made a player signing less than a week before after the end of the season, and all of a sudden, one of the biggest names on the docket is scratched off and already coming back to Pittsburgh. Brian Rust signs a six-year deal worth $5.125 million on an average annual value. Horwat, before we get into the nitty-gritty of this contract, what do you overall think of the Penguins and the job done here by Ron Hextall? Overall, this is a uh, great little move here. It's not the most expensive. He could have gotten more elsewhere. Oh, for I, sure. Um, but I genuinely, I think we discussed this last week a little bit. I still don't hate what Ron Hextall has done here. Mm-hmm. And this only adds to the good part of it because it's not a super expensive contract. It's longer, but a good length for a guy, like we mentioned before, over 30. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, for what it's worth, Brian, Brian Russ said he, wa- he was looking for a contract that could help him and his family. That was his main focus. $5 million is going to help you and your family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, regardless, I think this is uh, it's a good payday for Brian. It's a good signing for Hextall. And, hey, you know what? Ron Hextall is able to make a signing and still be <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah, that is an interesting little caveat to this entire thing. But I think the main quote that we took from Penguins locker room cleanout day from Brian Rust that really rings true at this point is quote I'm not looking to rob anybody well he certainly didn't do that because he is a 30 goal scoring talent that hasn't quite hit that mark yet but at the same time six more years he's at the age of 30 that's going to carry him through the rest of his probably really good playing career and at only a five million dollar cap hit when even evolving hockey on Twitter posted we projected the average annual value of 7.99 million at a six-year term. This is an amazingly team-friendly deal. And that's I think the best way to put it that Brian Rust took a really good deal to stay in the city of Pittsburgh. Do I have to say the best part of it too? Yeah. I keep I keep checking every day. There is <laughs> no clauses on this. Yeah. None. Are you kidding me? We could he could be trade fodder in a year and a half if he's bad again. Go on. Yeah. It's not that hard. That's Someone will take him. Oh my goodness. And for the price, too? Yeah. He, if the Penguins take half of that, you're getting Brian Russ for $2.5 million. Like, Dude, not, not that the Penguins are going to want to trade him, but right. like for all of the people that are very worried about, hey, he'll be 36 at the end of this deal. What will the back half of this deal look like as far as his play on the ice? It's very easy to move a $5 million contract for a guy that has that type of pedigree. I mean, 
you don't have a, a pedigree where people are going to pay $8 million to get your services without, you know, being good in the last half of a six-year deal like this. This is, to me, and, and our friend State of Hoppy said, oh, it's a ground rule double in rebuttal to me saying, this is a home run signing, but I will I will hammer it home. This is a home run signing for Ron Hextall. Ground rule double, that's good. <laughs> uh, no, this is absolutely a home run. Like I said, he's 30, so it's good that we didn't sign him for eight years or seven, mm-hmm. whatever those max contracts are. Yeah, We got him for 5.125 whenever Evolving Hockey was projecting something over seven to eight. Yeah. Uh, no clauses. So really, like I said, if after year three or so, if we're like, ah, you know what, we've had enough of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a new GM. Gone. Easy. This isn't the Jeff Carter deal where it's uh, he's locked here and we don't know what to do with it. No, it's if he is in one bout of inconsistency, that's long enough to be worrisome. All right, who wants him? <laughs> we'll take a couple of picks. We'll take a a good because you could get a good return for Brian Russ. Let's just be honest. Oh my God, yeah. Like there, there's a reason those projected numbers are so high. It's because there's a lot of interest league wide in the services of Brian Russ. But he is staying in Pittsburgh. We don't have to worry about that in the off season. He's coming off of a career year, 58 points, a new career high for him this year in 60 games played. He scored 24 goals, which was the second highest mark of his career. Three shy of his career best in 2019-20, where he scored 27. He has a playoff acumen. We've called him Mr. Elimination Game for a reason. Huge against the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 7 back in 2016. And the fact that he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. And there's a little bit of a tax on that as well when you hit the free market. So I think the Penguins, Ron Hextall specifically, and Brian Rust, because this deal does not get done and does not look this good without Brian Rust's love of the city of Pittsburgh and love of the Penguins organization. So all parties involved did a really good thing that's really going to help out the Pittsburgh Penguins here. Yeah, uh, and... You mentioned his career highs. I mean, the the guy hasn't had a chance to play 82 games yet, really. I mean, if there's one drawback to Brian Russ, it is his, uh, <clears throat> his inconsistencies and his sometimes issues with staying healthy. But um, in that one year you're talking where he had the career high of 27 goals, he was perfectly healthy all that season, which was shut down for COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so give this man a chance to play north of 70 to 80 games, and we're going to see career high numbers if this pace continues. So it is a matter of keeping healthy and keeping consistent. And maybe that was a drawback to the big money that Hextall uh, stole him of. Stole him of. <laughs> uh, Hextall probably looked at him and said, listen, you, know, you haven't played a full 82 yet. Granted, COVID year happens. But your inconsistency is a thing, and he struggles with injuries. So maybe there was a little, a little leeway in Hextall's case. Which, let's be fair, in negotiations like this, that stuff will get used. Mm-hmm. So he was able to use that to his advantage, bring him back for uh, a hell of a price, and next steps are now the big dogs. Because I'd say this is almost the barometer for uh, what really is to come with the rest of our free agents. Yeah, and we'll talk about that here in a couple minutes. I think the big thing is, and if you want to check out my thoughts on everybody taking a little less money, I wrote an article about that that's out now at InsideThePenguins.com. But the big thing about this is the fact that he's not just a top six scoring forward. Brian Rust can play the power play. Brian Rust, as you saw after the trade deadline because of the departure of Dom Simone and the departure specifically of Zach Aston Reese, you saw Brian Russ start to play the penalty kill a lot more. 
He's a guy that is fantastic in the shootout, even though he doesn't get used very often. He's great defensively. And when we talk about Jake Gensel and the fact that he's not that defensive, we talk about Sidney Crosby, who is really good defensively. But Brian Rust is also, like we said, he played on the power or penalty kill. He's also a very, very good penalty killer. He's good in all facets of the game. And when you get a guy like that with the ability to score 30 goals for only $5 million, I cannot stress this enough. That is so good as far as contracts are concerned. I said last week, I'm not going to pay him more than I'm paying Jake Gensel if I'm the Pittsburgh Penguins. And not only did they not get there, they saved basically a million dollars a year. It's just an amazing, amazing deal all the way around. I know there's some drawbacks. It is a six-year deal for a 30-year-old. I'm looking at that, but we already talked about that. The movability of this contract makes the term not that you know scary going towards the end of that contract. So I, I really liked it specifically because he's an all-around player. He has the ability to score 30 goals in a season if he stays healthy. He can play top line, second line, shoot, at the end of this contract, he could be a good third liner that puts in 10 to 15 goals a season and plays defensively responsible. That is perfectly fine. But at the same time, I mean, you just look at this contract and the deal that was done. You mentioned the Hextall caveat. Hey, he can still pull the trigger. Hextall will be talking to the media with his year-end press conference at 3 o'clock today, which is Monday, May 23rd. We will not have the results of that, but we will obviously be discussing it later this week on another episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. I was not surprised because of how good the contract is for all parties involved. I feel like if he is in that situation where, you know, Fenway Sports Group is like having him on probation, as it were. Please literally write out our future. Yeah, I I think he would have to probably go through them with everything. But the second this came across their desk, they'd be like, yeah, just do it. Yeah, I, I, I do still think it is impressive that, like I mentioned, the literally writing out of the future yeah of the organization i mean let's just tell it like it is if he handed in a paper that uh was a failure you know if he handed that essay into the teacher and the teacher <laughs> went this is a bad thing he'd be gone yeah they we, would not they would not have waited on it we discussed the race euro firing from 2014 uh, we we saw all the parallels right away there was it was at, shortly after a three to one series uh, blowing his three to one series lead against the New York Rangers, and Ray was fired three days later. Mm-hmm. We were on the fourth day recording our podcast, saying, "Well, he's made it an extra day," and we weren't sure if we were going to be talking on a new episode with Ron Hextall still as our GM. Mm-hmm. Well, here we are, and he's making moves—not making moves, but he's making signings. Yeah, I'd say that for a bare minimum, that is the step in the right direction of Hextall is staying here, mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah, things may have looked iffy. And there was some um, question marks around, hey, you know, this, his, his love for Jeff Carter is going to get in the way of things. His inability, not inability, but his staying put in a lot of situations and not, and being too, being too uh, quiet on fronts, too passive, yes, uh, might get in the way of things. Well, uh, he put the essay in, I guess they liked it enough to let him sign Brian Rust for six years. Yeah. So... Does that mean he's here to stay? I, they're also giving him a uh, an end of season uh, press conference. Press, they're giving him a press conference. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I can't think this morning. Yeah, but they're giving him a little press conference here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't think he'd get to the press conference, especially if he was gone. Sure, maybe Fenway would have to act fast, but um, to keep Ron Hextall around, you have to make 
these signings that we have to make or want yeah. to make these negotiations, like Rust, Malkin, Latang. Mm-hmm. We need someone in here now who's going to get those negotiations started. We would have yeah. probably not already seen it, but I think we may have already seen it yeah. had, had Hexall been out the door. Because we need, we would have to find the new GM, have mm-hmm. him in here, and then the negotiations, neg- new negotiations would have to start. Yeah, we're giving Hextall his press conference. I think he's here. Well, here's the thing: in for the sake of not going over this every single episode until he either leaves or until it, it's it's puck drop next. Yeah, season. until it's puck drop. If he is not fired by, let's say, the end of the conference finals, then he's not going to go anywhere. And that's still pushing it. Like, I was thinking of saying, like, if he's not gone by the end of this week, he's probably not going anywhere. But at the same time, you know, to give a little bit of leeway, because Fenway Sports Group, I don't know the pace at which they work because I've never, you know, covered a team that they currently own because I don't cover them. attention to the Red Sox. I never paid attention to Liverpool. So, uh, to be completely honest, I'm not really going to get into the rest of that. We'll see what happens with that. But as of right now, a good signing of Brian Rust. And here is where that leaves the Penguins' starting roster heading into next season. As of right now, lots of question marks still. Gensel, Crosby, and Rust. At the very least, you know the Penguins will have a top line. Zucker, no second line center, no right wing. Rust is technically the only right wing that is currently on the roster. McGinn and Carter on the third line. And O'Connor Bluger on that fourth line. And this is just of players that were on the NHL roster at the end of the postseason. So this is what we're working with right now, going into the off season, rust being obviously the newest addition. Yeah. Cause you could dig into the minors a little bit and fill in some spaces. I mean, you could add Zahorna posting in all those guys if you wanted, but this is realistically what the lineup is looking like right now. I don't even think Zahorna has a deal right now. It could be wrong. I was just looking for that. I know he was one of the names. I thought he uh, signed a two-year deal last offseason, but nonetheless. Nonetheless, of course. I just can't find his name, that's all. Um, or even, yeah, you said Pustin, and he definitely has two years. Uh, he's a left-winger, though, so there's a little bit of a issue. There's a horn. <laughs> yes, two years. All good. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, you could, fill, you could fill names, whatever you do, whatever you wanted to do. Philip Hollander could slide in there if you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... I think for a future discussion is going to be what we do with some of these minor leaguers that are they ready? We need uh, some minor league experts to discuss with that, but Mm -hmm. the time is going to be soon for some of these names. I think that's for sure. Uh, And this lineup right now, hey, you know what? For what it's worth on the outset, it's not terrible. You know, we know that the top line can produce. We know Jason Zucker wants so badly to produce. If he stays healthy and plays the way he did in the postseason, I'm very confident Jason Zucker heading into next season. Maybe not at that cap hit, but again, yeah, you do what you can. Do what you can. He wants so badly to produce, and you just feel like one thing has to go right, and it's game over for everybody. Uh, McGinn is fine. Carter's fine, I guess. He's uh, here. We'll He's here, yeah. Bluger, and we love Bluger. And then Drew O'Connor, Drew O'Connor still needs to get his consistent playing time. So I don't hate this lineup so far. Is it a winner? Well, we got to see what the rest of those names are because that's about half the lineup, man. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it's a lot of question marks still, and we all already knew that heading into this offseason. Before we move on to our next segment, I got to ask you, who's next? Malkin, Raquel, Kapanen, Latang. If you had to pick one name, who is the next guy that we see get his deal done? That's so hard to tell. I think Heinen and okay, so Heinen and Captain are harder because they're RFAs, and mm-hmm. we could drag them all the way until the deadline of RFA signings. Yeah, uh, just be, just because we can do that. Um, <laughs> and especially with I didn't read the story because I'm not sub- subscribed to them, but uh, 
Did you read Taylor Haas's story on re-signing Kasperi Kapanen? Was it I just did not. a okay? Because I saw her say, uh, I just saw the tweet headline that was like, "Guys, this is a good idea." And I think I started reading because I don't, I'm not subscribed to him, so I started reading a couple comments, and someone had mentioned that like, uh, uh, what's it called, minimum, player minimum. What I, I can't think this morning. His qualifying <laughs> offer would be eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yes, and I went. Yeah, no duh, that's what you do with him. Like, <laughs> if if I, he would take that. Yeah. The article that I wrote this morning, and not to give it away, has a, a number higher than that that is re- more realistic for Kasperi Kapanen, but also on that type of show-me deal, as you like to say. Yeah, I, absolutely. He's definitely not worth, what is he making now? Or is it 3.2? No, it's going to be lower. It has to be lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't offer him more than that. I wouldn't even offer him the same after that season. You give him a short... Uh, show me contract of let's say I love the league man that's hysterical <laughs> but um, maybe like a million two million but yeah. I I I was just trying to read through comments because I've not subscribed and I saw someone mention league minimum and I went well yeah you offer him league minimum that's probably what we did with Murray well you can't he- you can't offer less than that so very thank you so much Captain Obvious but either way uh, I think if if there's anybody that's gonna be next it's gonna be Malkin. I, really I think do. so too. Yeah. I think Malkin gets done next just because he's already said so many times, like, listen, I have a family and I want what's best for them, but money's not an issue right now. Like, I'm a pretty rich guy, if we remember. That was the yeah. first thing he said whenever the first time that he was asked about it. So I think that it's Malkin. But we're going to move on here and let's move over to the back end because the Pittsburgh Penguins kind of have a log jam when it comes to their defense right now. The only free agent is Chris Letang, and we just had the, the graphic up. So if you Follow us on YouTube. Here's the graphic of the defense. <laughs> Looks like it's pretty filled out comparatively to the forward side. Dumlin with nobody on the right side. That was Chris Letang. He is currently an unrestricted free agent. Marcus Pedersen Marino is the second pairing. Mike Matheson Ruweedle is the third pairing. The big thing about all of this, four of those five guys signed get paid over $4 million against the cap. Horwat, first and foremost, everybody wants to see Chris Letang back. But does a defenseman need to be traded in order for that to happen? I think so. Look, just looking at the amount of money we're spending on defensemen and how many of them are locked up to next season, I think it's perfectly okay to ship one off. I'm not going to say a name quite yet, but it's okay to ship one off and maybe get a forward back, maybe get a draft mm-hmm. pick or two back. Because <laughs> you also forgot to mention Nathan Bowie, but that's okay. Um, because he's, we an, have, he's a free agent. Yeah, exactly. Because we have Mark Friedman floating around. We have young, again, minor league defensemen who could come up and play. Um, we have Yuso Rikula, who's going to be a free agent again. I just think he's going to Europe, though. His time is done. Yeah. It's the Chris Letang, uh, between Malkin and Letang, yeah, Letang's going to be harder to replace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... I think you may, you just have to move someone in order to A, resign Chris Letang, or B, really fill out this defense because for as good and consistent as it was for a little while last season, I feel, you still feel like changes have to be made, right? Just yeah. They have to be done. It's good to see John Marino picked his game up in the postseason last year because he's going to be did. around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Dumoulin, we love you, but it's modified, no trade. It's hard. It's hard to ship him out. You also, do you really want to start next season with two brand new first line defensemen? Well, here's the thing that I'm looking at. I, I think if they want to bring back Chris Letang, they probably have to get rid of one of these guys. 
Uh, and by these guys, I mean the four guys making over $4 million right now on the back end. And you mentioned the Penguins were good defensively last year. They finished fifth in goals allowed per games played, 14th in shots allowed per games played. So that there's a little bit of a discrepancy there that the goaltenders kind of picked them up a little bit. But eighth in high danger chances for percentage. I know part of that is also the forwards and their ability to play on both ends of the puck. But this defense was not god-awful last year. They were not the best defense, certainly not for the price that you're paying. But I do really feel like I didn't think about it until early last week. I was having a discussion with our friend Doug, uh, Doug Gladkey. And, and honestly, with only one year left for Brian Dumoulin at $4.1 million, the Oh, that's probably the guy you get rid of. Also, because his play has been declining a lot recently, I think the Penguins missed him in the playoffs. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I think that it would have been huge if he played in the playoffs for them and did not have that MCL tear. But he's also coming off of that, which is going to make him harder to move, specifically for the 4.1 million. So you would have to get a lowly team that's not expecting to do anything next year, i.e., you know, the Coyotes to eat that contract and and you're going to have to probably pay for that. And I'm not necessarily sure the Pittsburgh Penguins are ready to do that. It's been two seasons that they've been rumoring Marcus Pedersen. So I think it's, if they can't get rid of Dumoulin with that one year left, because it's probably the easiest move, despite him coming off the MCL surgery, Marcus Pedersen might be the guy, not that he's bad, but just there's too many guys and not enough cap space. And honestly, the Penguins should not be giving up on John Marino specifically after his performance in the postseason. And even though Mike Matheson has four more years at almost $5 million, the highest cap hit of all four of these guys, he's your best guy back there right there. He's your best puck mover. And if Latang does not come back, he is your number one power play defenseman. Which, honestly, there were some points during the playoffs, especially because we just kept giving up shorthanded breaks. I wanted yeah. to see it anyway, even with Latang on the team. I think... We've been talking for years, before we, me and you met, I think, we've been talking <laughs> about how bad the Penguins power play can be, and a lot of it yeah. can stem from the blue line, mm -hmm. because we're giving up these shorthanded breaks. Um, uh, why not take Latang off the top unit just because someone might be a touch better? I think it was back when we had Niskanen, I was thinking of this, like, Matt Niskanen can rifle it. Yeah. <laughs> Give him the shot on the top unit over Latang and just see what happens. What's the worst that can happen? You piss off a star? Oh. What's the best that can happen? 2017 playoffs, Justin Schultz. Exactly. When exactly. Latang was out. Exactly. Latang isn't, as much as we do love Chris Latang, and he is a power play performer, don't get me wrong, I don't know if it's first line anymore. Mm -hmm. If it is, fine. But why not give Mike Matheson a try up there? Why not? Yeah. And another thing about shipping off Pedersen, you, if you do it, you got to do it now, because guess what kicks in next season? Modified no trade. You yep. know how many of these defensemen have it? A lot of them. A lot of them. We know Latang has one, but his contract is up. Matheson, we know, has one. Somehow we got him with one. Yeah. Brian Dumoulin is on one. I mentioned that. That's going to be a little harder to move. John Marino has one that kicks in in a couple seasons. And then Matt, and then Patterson is next season. Yeah, but again, I'm not touching John Marino this offseason. Right. You're not, but I'm just listing off all the yeah. clauses we have on our defensive core because <laughs> it's quite a lot, and that was yeah. a big part of why I liked the Rust deal. There weren't any. Mm -hmm. So it's... it's uh, you're right, it is a logjam, I think. Someone's going to have to get moved here because we have guys in the minors that could be pushing their time, getting ready. I'm glad you mentioned that because the next thing I want to discuss is P.O. Joseph. I mean, the, the guy that wasn't on the graphic that I put up there already was Mark Friedman, who just signed a new contract in the middle of last season as well. Which, cool, like that. 
yeah, he's a really good sixth or seventh option, but he's not a guy that you want in your top four just because, no, you know, yeah. he hasn't proven that yet. He might have that ability, but he hasn't been given that opportunity, and, and I'm not sure he's going to jump anybody else on this list to get that opportunity. Somebody that might, though, is P.O. Joseph. Is it a disappointment to you, Horwat, if P.O. Joseph is not in the opening night lineup for the Pittsburgh Penguins next season? I think I would have said yes last year. But seeing the logjam we have and just how set in his ways Ron Hextall might be, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd be disappointed. I just obviously you want to see it, but it's also the opening night roster. Um, I think I would be. I think I would be because mm-hmm. he does need to get his NHL playing time eventually. We've been yeah. saying that for a long time. Mm-hmm. I know we've seen him in the league. I know we've seen him play before. We've seen him play at a high level before. We've seen him play first line before. Mm-hmm. It's frightening. So he has the experience. I think it is time to give him his full due. Uh, yeah, I think I'd be disappointed, but it's it's a disappointment. I think I'd get over quickly, but uh, it's one that I do. But it's something I do want to see in the very near future for him. Is is Pio Joseph in this lineup regularly? Yeah, because uh, we know he can do it. A lot of the guys and there are a lot of RFAs in the minors, but a lot of guys down there still need new contracts. But again, RFA signings should be easy for minor leaguers. Am I right, guys? You would think so, but I think the biggest thing for me is, to me, it would be a massive disappointment. I know he's young, and he is currently not under contract. They're going to have to re-sign him, but he hasn't really done anything in the NHL, so it's not like he's going to command too much money. He's only 22 years old, which I get is very young for a defenseman, but for a league in which young defensemen are starting to take over, and for how good he is, I mean, I wanted to get the video. I wasn't able to because of just time constraints. Chris Letang mentioned him and brought him up in his end of season press conference without being prompted at all. He said, you know, there's a lot of good young guys here like P.O. Joseph who are going to need to start making an impact soon. And that's nothing against P.O. Joseph because he's been great in the minor leagues. He was good, as you mentioned, in the times we saw him in the NHL. He only played four games for the Pittsburgh Penguins last year at the NHL level. Zero points, but in a small sample size, 63.95 expected goals percentage at five on five. That is fantastic in a small sample size 13 to 10 and high danger chances for and that's while being deployed as the third pairing defenseman alongside a guy like chad ruedel who's been great but again not where po joseph is normally going to be deployed if he's a full-timer in the national hockey league so i would be uh, very disappointed if po joseph is not on that opening day roster like i said i'm not going to sit there and sulk about it if he's not but we saw it last season The opening night roster is for experimentation of young guys. I would like to see Drew O'Connor, Valtteri Pustinen, and P.O. Joseph make that roster, despite whoever the Penguins bring in, because one, they need to see what they have in these guys. These guys have all played in the NHL, Pustinen only one game, but all have that ability and haven't been given the opportunity. I want to see all three of them get that opportunity at the beginning of next season, specifically P.O.J. Yeah, and I know it's it's the AHL, but... Man, in 61 games last season, you had 33 points. You had five <laughs> points in six games in the postseason. I mean, I know he's not a replacement for Chris Letang. Nobody is. Let's get that straight. But that's pretty close to the next best thing, especially when he's only 22 years old. And a defenseman, yeah. mind you. This is a def- this, in the AHL, yes. But it's a defenseman putting up points. And Let- Letang may have mentioned it. Sure, it may have just been one French-Canadian to another. But guess what? That is your top defenseman of all time in your franchise, putting his faith into someone else. Mm-hmm. 
that's impressive. And what's interesting is that he, like you mentioned, he's 22. I can remember going to the rookie camp last season and seeing two other defensemen that I thought really could have a chance in the NHL. They're both two and three years older than him. Yeah. So their chances is much slimmer in Cam Lee, who's 25, and Will Riley, who's 24. But still, I think P.O. Joseph still jumps over both of those guys, despite them being older. Would I like to see all three of those names here playing in the NHL eventually? Sure, absolutely. But slim pickings on defense, especially now. Yeah. If someone's got to go, it's going to be P.O. Joseph to me. So the more we discuss it, the more, yes, the more upset I'm going to be if he's not in the opening night roster. So way to talk me into it. Uh, <laughs> it's his time. Yeah. And now here's the big thing. I'll bring that graphic up once again. When you look at this defense, there's, like I said, there's not much going on. Let's assume, not that we know anything, let's assume that Chris Letang doesn't come back. How do you install P.O. Joseph into this lineup if all things are the same right now, plus a P.O. Joseph? Gosh, that's... It's it's tough. It is because, I mean, you know what? Maybe you do give John Moreno that top spot because, I mean, he's here the longest. He seemed to prove to be pretty decent. Uh, maybe things can maybe with that sort of pressure things really turn around mm-hmm. uh, but chad oh man see it gets hard maybe maybe is uh i can't believe i've had all this up and haven't looked is po right left shot left shot or left, left shot. defense okay yeah uh, man a move has to be made still i mean yes but i, I here's here's what i would think i would put Dumoulin Marino as your top pairing. Yeah. I would probably put Matheson with Pedersen and make one of them play on their offside. Yeah. And make that your third pairing. I think. Okay. Is that what I'm thinking? I don't remember. I, I had it mapped out in my head. I should have wrote it down. But I think it is definitely Dumoulin Marino, possibly Matheson Joseph on the second pairing. That's what I had. Matheson Joseph on the second pairing, and then Pedersen Ruweedle is your third pairing. I was gonna put Pedersen and Joseph together, but the one big knock on P.O. Joseph is that he's not filled out enough and he can't get people out of the net front, and neither can Pedersen. So you don't want those two guys on the same pairing leaving that net front that wide open. So that's what I have. Sorry, I, I kind of just talked through it right out onto the podcast. But Dumoulin, Marino, Matheson, and Joseph, Pedersen, and Ruweedle, that's my defense core. All things considered, if Joseph signs and Latang doesn't, and that's totally fair. That's I like that one too. Again, there's just it's such a log jam. You need it still feels like a move needs to be made somewhere here. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn, it's so locked up right now. It is. It's it's why we called it a log jam. I mean, there's so many guys in there, and like we mentioned earlier, four of them are getting paid more than four million dollars. Ruedel just got a new contract for two years. Friedman just got a new contract for two years. These guys are all signed for a long time. The one missing piece, obviously you need to re-sign P.O. Joseph, but the p- missing piece is Chris Letang. And that's what this defense was built around. That's why I think if Letang goes somewhere else, that much as remains to be seen, but if Letang goes somewhere else, you're going to see a lot more changes because this defense was built to be built around a guy like Chris Letang. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of discussion to be had for who could replace him, too. Saw a lot of people bagging on John Klingberg. Yeah. You know what? No, I don't want him. 
Ah, all right. It's a discussion for another day. It is a discussion for another day, but I just think that like if you're going to lose Chris Letang, you need to change defensive strategies. You cannot roll out the same strategy like strategy on defense because nobody else is going to take those minutes that Letang did in every situation. Top power play unit, top penalty kill unit, top line played 27 minutes a night. I already mentioned it. It's a little higher in my my things here. Chris Letang had what fourth in the National Hockey League in ice time. I'm remembering now that that's in my article and not in my notes here. But uh, he's fourth in the National League in ice time this year. Not just defensemen, among all skaters. So you're not going to get a guy that's going to replace him. Specifically not for less than you would have signed Latang for. So that's just a pipe dream. Yeah, you're, you're right. But, I mean, when you need options, you need options. I just don't know who else could fit. But, hey, you know what? That's why he's going to be the harder one to replace. Yeah. It's going to make it, it – it's it's much more difficult to replace Latang than anybody left. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's hard to get a second-line center. I understand that. And it's hard to replace a guy that, you know, emotionally does what Evgeny Malkin does for Pittsburgh Penguins fans. But at the same time, the way that Latang has played and the level at which he's played and the way that the entire position is built around him on this roster, it makes it that much harder for him more than a guy like Malkin where – you're going to have to overpay probably, but you can get a second line center and it's not going to be the same. I understand that, but still that Latang stuff is, uh, is hard to replace and it's impossible. I don't know why I'm saying hard. It's impossible. It's impossible. It, it kind of is. And there's a, you mentioned the Malkin thing. There's a good amount of, there's a decent amount of, uh, high level forwards, uh, hitting yeah. the open market this year. Trades are always possible. Yeah, things can happen. Penguins could sign Claude Giroux, you know, I Weird said high stuff. level. <laughs> He's medium level on a paper tiger right now uh, in the Florida Panthers. But let's finish off this show with our weekly Pence poll, as we always do. Even though new platform, same old stuff, we're doing that weekly Pence poll. Which of the Pens big three will return alongside Sidney Crosby next season? A lot of people in Pittsburgh Penguins land say, you know what? We just discussed replacing Crystal Tang. That's probably what they're going to have to do. 36% 36% of the vote goes to just Malkin being returned to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Both Latang and Malkin, I don't know why I put or, but both Latang and Malkin, 33%, right underneath that. So there is hope that both of them return still. Just Latang, 25%, and only 6% of people think that neither of the two stars will return. So I, I think both of us are in agreement that Malkin is probably the guy that is is most definitely coming back. Latang is the one with more question marks. I, I like that the lowest percentage here was that both are gone. Yet those that's the crowd you oh, that's the only crowd you hear from. Because everyone yeah. that anyone it's a perfect talk- representation of Twitter. I've talked to people in person that think they're both gone. Like yeah, it's it's funny that the lowest percentage here seems to be the loudest percentage out of this because everyone seems to think they're both gone. It seems anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. I just don't think Crystal Tang is going to budge on what he wants. Mm-hmm. Malkin might, which is fine. I don't think we're going to get him at five. That rumored $5 million contract offer for both of them, my goodness. No, yeah. I get, I get, I said, call Malkin's bluff. <laughs> you didn't have to listen to me. <laughs> um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, Malkin, I, like I said, is going to be way more lenient anyway, I feel like. So you could start, you could start Malkin off with five and be like, let's go from there figure it out from there but tang might actually look at that as an insult and be like all right now we see what we are about yeah so i think 
if anything, my best guess on this poll would be just Malkin, just because I don't see Latang budging, and I look at Malkin as a priority anyway. So it hurts because that's the harder one to replace. Are there names in mind? I had one particularly just because it's been the one thrown around, and genuinely, yeah. I I think he wouldn't be bad if we really needed the guy there. Um, and I don't know. Mal- just I also don't. Th- I know Lemieux is minority owner. Yeah, uh, but I still think he's going to have some say in the Malkin situation just because he's said before he watched Yager leave. I'm going to keep saying this until Malkin leaves. He watched Yager yeah. leave. He's not going to let it happen again. Yeah. regardless of age or ability. So, settle in, guys. If Malkin is bad next year and old, he's stuck here, I think, because Lemieux's not going to let him go. Now, I know hockey players are very superstitious. They really like having their contract numbers in their in their contracts. They, they like having their jersey numbers in their contracts. It's such a weird thing now, and I don't like it. Does Evgeny Malkin go for $7.1 million, and is that a deal that you would be okay with him signing? That's a $2.4 million discount on what he's been making for the last decade. You know, yeah, I think so. I don't hate that. Three years, 7.1? Sound, that sounds decent. I mean, like, what's he genuinely worth? We need Evolving Hockey on this. What's he actually, like, going to be worth? <laughs> I don't I don't subscribe to Evolving Hockey. I tried to look it up, and they're, like, subscribers only. But I was like, oh, I'm poor. I can't do that. But I guess I'll just I'll, – I'll make my own metrics, I guess. So uh, that's – Honestly, that's that's far and away. That's probably not going to happen. Um, but three years is what he's looking for. $7.1 million. He was over a point per game. Even though he's aging, I think that's a really good deal. You probably have to give him a no-move clause. Because I'm sure that's what he wants. Uh, yeah. Or at least promise that he's not going to be moved. But the guy was, again, over a point per game coming off of a knee surgery. Yeah. He's going to be able to have the entire offseason off. And not be rehabbing a surgery, rehabbing an injury. So, honestly, if you sign that deal, that's great for the Penguins. That $2.4 million, we already saw Rust went up, I believe, what was it? 1.6? So you'd still have another 800000 there. You can go sign another league minimum player for that. Yeah, you could. Or bring someone up. (laughs) And then you can save money in other areas as well. Yeah, I like like 7.1 looking at it now. Um if you really wanted to hide it, you can make the cap hit seven just to make it easy and then figure out that other point one and salary stuff. I don't know. Contracts are weird. But it's easy enough to make a 7.1 uh, contract offer for Malkin. I like it. It is the we- uh, it is very weird seeing people do that contract jersey yeah. number thing. Sid started it, but his made sense. Well, his was, what, 8.7 per year, $87 million total because it was 10 years. Yeah, and... That was a massive deal at the time. Yeah, and now now look at him. Yeah, he's. I gotta I gotta see where his his salary ranks in the National Hockey League because it's probably might be outside the top twenty it's, at this point. I think it's still relatively high just because NHL contracts aren't huge. How do I find that? I know I can find. Well, it I know. I don't know. I, I guess while you're looking that up, I guess I could continue to discuss this. But if if Malkin doesn't. Like, if you want to go with something lower than that, and if you're saying, hey, 7.1 is still too high, and you want to do the whole numbers in contracts thing, Lemieux could really put a stamp on this and say, hey, I still have a hand on the wheel. 6.671. There you go. <laughs> I hate it here. That's the, um, that's the average annual value for Evgeny Malkin's next contract. 6.671. There you go. 
That would be that would be a very clear indication that Mario Lemieux is still very much hand on the wheel. And you know, and that would just be a big old middle finger to to a lot of people that want Malkin gone. Yeah. Uh, for those wondering, Sidney Crosby is the thirtieth highest contract in the league per year, at least, and cap hit. Oh, that's right. Because I'm thinking like PK Subban made nine million dollars last year. Like I'm forgetting people like that. They're thirtieth. Thirtieth. Yep. Because Mark Stone's eighteenth. Because we forgot he signed a giant deal. Evgeny Malkin fifteenth. Uh, yeah. But I mean, like we said, his is up. I, I mean, let's just genuinely talk about like if we're talking Carlson and Burns and, and Taves and Kane. Yeah, because you could run down stuff. this list and ask how many of these are bad deals. And you go Connor McDavid, Artemi Panarin, Austin Matthews. Yes, good. Oh, all good. okay. I thought you were saying they were bad. I was like Connor McDavid has more. <laughs> He's just ridiculous in the playoffs right now. That is the greatest contract, no matter how much he plays. I was listening pay. off the top three because those are all good. Then you get to four, Eric Carlson. <sighs> Five, John Tavares. I mean, it's high, but yeah. Eh, eh. And then Drew Doughty. Again, it's high. Mitch yeah. Marner. Okay. Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane. <sighs> well, Kane's still good. Taves is not what he yeah. was when he signed that. And that's just the top nine, because then Carey Price is tenth. So. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those contracts signed back in 2012 to 2014. Not looking fantastic as of right now. Some of them signed after that. Not looking fantastic either. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. First episode in the books for SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com. We will be back on Thursday with a new episode. Definitely going to be paying attention to the press conference coming up at 3 p.m. Eastern here with Ron Hextall's end-of-the-season press conference. But that's going to do it for this episode. Check out the video on YouTube. Check out everything we got going on. And if you want more of our opinions, go to InsideThePenguins.com for exclusive articles by both me, Nick, our friend Jake, and our friend Noah as well. That's going to do it. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a great week, Pens fans. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.